Shalom and welcome to Think Jewish, where we join together to explore divine keys for a better life. This week's Torah portion begins with the kindling of the menorah in the Holy Temple, which entails preparing the olive oil to be used for the kindling and the actual daily kindling of the menorah. The verse states, And you shall command the children of Israel, and they shall take to you pure olive oil, crushed for lighting, to kindle the lamps continually. In the tent of meeting outside the dividing curtain that is in front of the testimony, Aaron and his son shall set it up before the Lord from evening to morning. It shall be an everlasting statute for their generations from the children of Israel. These two verses create a whirlwind in the mystical teachings of Hasidus. For this lecture, we will focus on just one dynamic of this whirlwind, and the gateway into it will be two obvious questions. Question number one. Why should the oil be brought to Moses when the menorah needs to be kindled by Aaron? Question number two. In the first verse it states that the menorah should be kindled continually, while in the second verse it states that the menorah should be kindled from evening to morning. The verse uses the word zach, pure, as a mandatory condition. Rashi, his name was Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, and the Ibn Isra, whose name was Rabbi Abraham ben Meir Ibn Isra, argue over what has to be pure, the olive or the oil. Rashi explains it to mean that the oil must be pure, with no sediment, while the Ibn Ezra defines it to mean that the olives need to be pure, not partially eaten by bugs and not to be spoiled. We will explore this argument to understand on a mystical level what these two commentators are pointing out to us. What both Rashi and the Ibn Ezra definitely agree upon is that it is the olive that must be crushed and obviously not the oil. There is one of two reasons that the olive must be crushed in order for us to get to the oil. A. The olive is obnoxious and arrogant, covering up the oil, not allowing itself to be humble and transparent in order to allow the oil to flow through it. B. The olive is infinitely exalted beyond any finite expression and is therefore above and beyond giving forth oil with defined and finite properties. Whether we say that the reason for the necessary crushing of the olive is in order to bring forth the oil is reason A or reason B will depend upon how we answer the following question. Which came first, the olive or the oil? The ultimate appreciation of this exploration is brought about by two fundamental mystical teachings. A. All commandments have a body and a soul. The body is the physical application of the commandment, which is limited to specific physical limitations of who, how, when, and where. For example, the menorah can only be lit in the times of the Holy Temple, within the Holy Temple, and all the other specific details defined by the commandment of the Torah to kindle the menorah in the Holy Temple every day. The soul of the mitzvah is the spiritual lesson and guidance of the commandment which transcend beyond any specific who, how, when, and where, 
and applies to every person at all times in all places. That is the first fundamental mystical teaching. The second, B, our sages teach us the microscopic universe is the human, and thus everything that exists within the macroscopic universe also exists within the microscopic universe. In other words, within us there is an olive, there is oil, Moses, Aaron, crushing the olive, kindling the menorah, and both dimensions of continual and from evening to morning. Based upon these two fundaments of Hasidus, we are going to explore a life-altering message hidden in these two commandments. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, there is a deep understanding of reality found in an interesting story documented in the Talmud. The Talmud says, Joseph, the son of Rabbi Yeshua, he had been ill and fell in a trance. After he recovered, his father said to him, What vision did you have? He replied, I saw a world upside down, the upper below and the lower above. He said to him, You saw a well-regulated world. This story in the Talmud is defined by the Kabbalistic ruling, That which is higher descends lower. Simply speaking, the foundation of the higher world is the ceiling of the lower world. The metaphor used for this is that of a stone wall that falls. The lower rows of the stone wall don't fall very far, neither do they fall deep, embedding themselves deeper into the ground where they land. However, the higher the row of stones in the wall, the farther it falls and the deeper it falls, embedding itself deeper in the ground. Thus, to answer our query of whether the Aleph comes first, spiritually defined as higher, that's what first means in Kabbalah, higher, or after the oil, defined as lower than the oil, the answer to that query is simple. Yes, they are both true. The higher Aleph, above the oil, descends lower and deeper, morphing into the lower olive, the one that comes after the oil. Let us explore this, my friends, bottom up. In its lower dimension, the oil is the soul and the olive is the body. The body is created from the paradigm of egocentric and therefore is not by nature humble and transparent to any higher existence or any higher cause. Thus the olive must be crushed, as the sages teach in the Zohar. A wooden beam that will not catch fire should be splintered. A body into which the light of the soul does not penetrate should be crushed. Now important to understand this. The definition of crushing the body is not to physically harm it. As Rabbi Dober of Mazrich, the Magid, rules, a small hole in the body is a large hole in the soul. Rather, whenever Kabbalah and Hasidus speak of crushing the body, they are referring only to crushing the ego, arrogance, selfishness, dishonesty, and self-seeking paradigm of the body. Before this paradigm of the body is crushed, it cannot 
be illuminated by the selfless theocentric paradigm of the soul. Now we can appreciate the Ibn Ezra's opinion on the Torah's mandate concerning that it be pure. The Ibn Ezra says that refers to the Aleph. Sometimes the crushing process that heaven brings upon a person, heaven protect us, brings about its desired effect and the person becomes humble, finding a higher identity and a higher purpose of self. However, there are times when we see the exact same experience causing the exact opposite results, where the pain and the crushing causes a deeper arrogance and a stronger rebellion. The Ebenezer is teaching us a deep insight into education. Before one can discipline with strictness and painful punishment, one must first make sure that the olive is not decomposed and eaten by bugs. If the child's image is decomposed and eaten by bugs, leaving the child to feel unlovable and of no worth, then the crushing will only propel this child deeper into his insecurity, his fight-or-flight survival mode, causing him to rebel even more. Before we can crush the olive, we must first heal the olive. We must first make sure that the olive is pure, that the child has a healthy understanding and feeling of being loved and protected before we can administer any form of punishment. Dr. Becky Balin Bailey, sorry, Dr. Becky Bailey, expert in childhood education and developmental psychology, has a great role-playing piece which goes as follows. Child, mom, can I ask you something? Mom, sure, honey. The child, do you love me? Mom, of course I do. I absolutely love you. The child, would you still love me even if I drew with my crayons on the living room wall? Mom, honey... I would love you to the moon and back, but I would still make you clean up the wall. Before the child completely feels, now here I want to make a specific note. I am specifically using the word feel rather than understand. Because many parents hide their lack of due diligence, I mean of making sure that their precious little olive is healthy and pure. They hide behind with telling themselves that their child surely understands that I am doing this for their good. Or they will when they grow up. Not good enough. The child needs to be a healthy, strong olive with a strong sense of feeling loved, protected, and worthy before any form of crushing will produce usable oil. So, I'm going to repeat. Before the child completely feels loved, protected, and worthy, it cannot be crushed, or the crushing will only propel the child farther into feeling abandoned, worthless, and in need of fighting harder for survival, which translates for this hurt olive as rebellion. My friends, I want you now to stop for a moment. Rewind the recording if you are listening to this lecture or reread if you are reading this lecture from the words 
now we can appreciate the Ibn Ezra's opinion on the Torah mandate concerning it be pure referring to the Aleph. Please go back to that sentence. This time, however, I want you to vulnerably hear that we are talking about you, your own inner child. Now, from my own experience of receiving such direction from a speaker or author, I know that the best response that I could hope for in this request is for you to smirk, give a full smile, or a nod of the head in agreement. But most of you will not actually do what I just asked you to do, to go back to that sentence that starts with the Ibn Ezra, re-listen, re-read, but this time to vulnerably hear that we are talking about you, your own inner child. Therefore, I want to share with you a simple Hasidic story. Rabbi Garari, an affluent Hasid, was looking for a teacher for his son. There were two teachers to choose from. One was a man with a keen understanding of the Torah and of child psychology, but his life wasn't a true reflection of what he knew. The second was a Hasid, a God-fearing man, which was a true example of the teachings of the Torah as elucidated by the teachings of Hasidus. However, he could have easily been seen as a shlamazel in the arts of high-tech education. Rabbi Garari chose the latter to be the teacher of his son. The first candidate asked of Rabbi Garari, I understand that I may not be as good of an example of a chassid like the other teacher, but I am a better teacher. I will better teach your son how to be a chassid. To which Rabbi Garari responded, No, you won't teach my son how to be a chassid. You will only teach my son how to teach others how to be a chassid. Friends, if we don't stop and rewind for a moment to now vulnerably hear what the Ibn Ezra is teaching us about our inner child, then we will be stuck only hearing how to teach others how to teach others how to educate a child. Let us now explore the higher Aleph. While the lower Aleph has descended into Klippa, the impurity of egocentric paradigm, it is so because it comes from the highest of orders, defined as, I quote the verse from Psalms, He made darkness his hiding place about him as his booth, the darkness of waters, thick clouds of the skies. That's what King David says of God. The reason why the lower olive can exist in a denial paradigm of darkness trapped in its self-seeking egocentric mode, even when it is a healthy olive, is because it has descended and morphed from a place of darkness. Light is defined, is a defined form of, of outer expression. Therefore, the essence which has no image or form whatsoever hides in darkness. However, the darkness we speak of here is not of Klippa, the evil forces. Rather, it is from that which transcends beyond any specific definition of light. It's the holy darkness. Nevertheless, it is from this holy darkness that the evil darkness comes from. 
even more so the holy darkness the higher olive and the evil darkness the lower olive remain deeply connected this is so in two ways a only through the teshuva of the lower olive do we connect with the depths of the higher olive b on the other hand it is also so that if we don't crush the higher olive we will eventually fall prey to the lower olive now what i just shared with you about the higher olive that that refers to the essence which hides in darkness what kind of crushing do we need here let's see in kabbalah we define the holy darkness as the supernal crown which is the infinite circular while the beginning of light is the supernal wisdom the finite linear the infinite circular defies any expression and thus remains hidden in its holy darkness however wisdom is a defined form of intellect in which a concept is revealed let us take this a step deeper the fact that the supernal crown cannot define itself within a finite form of revelation makes the supernal crown in itself a finite form, doesn't it? It can only be infinitely hidden in holy darkness. It cannot be revealed in finite light. Infinite in its truest sense sees the infinite darkness and the finite light equally and to coexist naturally. The higher olive in its own right is stuck in concealing the oil it is meant to produce. And thus, the higher olive in itself must be crushed. It isn't just the ego of the lower olive, the body, which needs to be crushed. Even the higher olive, the soul, has its subjective motives in serving God. It searches for its own closeness to God. There is an amazing story about the Baal Shem Tov. The book of Job states, You will make a decree and it will be accomplished for you. From which our sages rule, the righteous decree and God fulfills. However, the righteous pay a price for this if what they decreed was not meant to happen. So it was with the holy Baal Shem Tov. A barren woman would return to the Baal Shem Tov time after time, crying and begging for a blessing that she merit having a child. The Baal Shem Tov, in his compassion, blessed the woman with a child. The Baal Shem Tov was notified from heaven that being that the Baal Shem Tov knew that the woman was not meant to have a child, and nevertheless he blessed her to have a child, which now means that she will have a child, the heavenly tribune convened and ruled that the Baal Shem Tov lose his portion in the Garden of Eden. Upon hearing this, the Baal Shem Tov began to dance with great joy, having questioned the Baal Shem Tov for his seemingly inappropriate response to the ruling. The Baal Shem Tov replied, Regardless of how hard I focus on serving God selflessly, Nevertheless, I know that for serving God, one is rewarded with Garden of Eden. However, now that I know that Garden of Eden was taken away from me, 
I will finally be able to truly serve God selflessly. The heavenly tribune returned to the holy Baal Shem Tov, his Garden of Eden. But the point of the story is that the Baal Shem Tov, he struggled with his spiritual objective motive. He struggled with his spiritually wanting to be close to God. Another story emphasized in Chabad is that the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, was once overheard saying in a deep meditative state, I want not your Garden of Eden, I want not your revelations, I want just you alone. So too the Alter Rebbe taught that even if God would command for us to chop wood, we would do so. The point being, that even if there is no purpose, no spiritual reward, and no spiritual revelation from God in our chopping wood, we would do so. For the sole focus of our serving God is that God will be fulfilled. Period. So what you're hearing here is that even the soul, as it becomes a creation of God, is confined within its paradigm of reality. It wants to be close to God and thus must be crushed to produce a service to God outside of itself. However, in the spiritual dimension, the higher Aleph, the holy darkness, has nothing other than absolute holiness. And therefore, we now understand Rashi's opinion of what needs to be pure. Rashi states that the Aleph is pure. It is the oil the revelation of wisdom which needs to be made pure. The higher olive is pure in the absolute sense of purity. Let's take further what Rashi says. Even supernal wisdom, the oil, which we are mandated by the Torah to make sure that it is pure, we speak not of a purity from foreign objects, of klipa. Rather, we speak only of it being pure of sentiments of within itself. What does this mean? This means that the oil within itself should remain absolutely transparent to nothing but the selfless illumination of the higher olive. I want just you alone, even to chop woods, just you alone. Let us now revisit the crushing of the higher olive. I explained it previously as it applies to us within our spirituality. But let us now explore it as it exists within the absoluteness of its concept. The higher olive in its absolute state refers to the absolute righteous, the tzaddikim, which have no self-seeking at all. Nevertheless, the moment that the soul transforms from a piece of creator becoming a creation, it too now has a definition of self. Thus, our sages teach us that for the righteous, the tzaddikim, the coming of Mashiach is about bringing to the righteous the teshuva experience, repentance. The ultimate expression of crushing the olive is teshuva. For the lower olive experience, it is the deep remorse and bitterness of sinning and using that to propel the person out of himself into a total connection with God. For the higher olive, where there exists no sin, 
It is the total shakeup of self. Knowing that, that by mere definition, being a self, regardless of how absolutely pure and holy that self is, is to be lacking in being absolutely one with God. This crushing experience of teshuva, to know that he is not absolutely one with God and needs to leave self, absolutely leave any form of self at all, propels the person, the righteous tzaddik, out of being an olive to returning into being absolutely one with God. That is the crushing of the higher olive. Now we can understand the process of first bringing the oil to Moses, but the menorah being kindled by Aaron. Moses represents the absolute nullification of self, the crushing of the higher olive, the totality of removing any fingerprints at all from the oil. Therefore, before the oil can be used to illuminate the world with absolute divinity, it must first be brought to Moses, who is called in the Zohar, the groom's best man. What a name, the groom's best man. In the marriage between the Jewish people and God, the Zohar defines Moses as the groom's best man and Aaron as the bride's best man. Moses serves to bring the absoluteness of the unity of marriage from God's definition in which the higher olive must as well experience teshuva. Aaron, on the other hand, represents total commitment and unity of marriage from the Jewish people's definition of marriage, in which we become the candles of God, illuminating the world with Hashem Echad, God is one, that everything is God and God is everything, and thus, Everything is illuminated and transparent to God's revelation. Thus we now understand the oil is brought first to Moses, transformed by the groom's best man, and then kindled by Aaron, the bride's best man. Now we can also appreciate why in the verse about bringing the oil to Moses, it states that the menorah is kindled continually while in the verse of Aaron kindling the menorah, it states from evening to morning. From the state of Moses, the groom's best man, the state of absolute unity, everything is continually in which all experiences are equal. Moses empowers Aaron to then kindle the menorah. However, from Aaron's paradigm, the bride's best man, there is a difference between the state of spiritual night and spiritual day, between darkness and light. What is important to understand before we close is that the higher olive and the lower olive are connected. If our goodness and our spiritual pursuit are all about self-seeking, even on a holy level, inevitably the self-seeking will grow and it will eventually lead to descending into the blockage of the lower olives, self-seeking, dishonesty, and selfishness. In closing, we can now understand one of the greatest mysteries of creation. Why do good people suffer? 
My friends, listen to that question. The very notion of this question drives at the crushing experience being only a punishment from God, and therefore only the bad deserve to suffer. Thus we cry out, why do good people suffer? Rabbi Shalom Dober Lubavitch said, even though it is difficult to say this, the revelation of Hasidus started mainly after the arrest of Petersburg. As the Talmud states, Rabbi Yohanan said, Why is Israel likened to an olive tree? To tell you that just as the olive produces its oil only after pounding, so the Jewish people. I want to share with you what this means. The Alter Rebbe, in the notes you have a link here, the Alter Rebbe was arrested and he was charged for treason and he was going to be sentenced to death. It was only after he left that arrest, after he was liberated, that the teachings of Hasidus took on an entire new dimension. That is what Rabbi Shalom Dober Lubavitch was saying that only after the olive was crushed, only after the Alter Rebbe had to subject himself and go through that process of the arrest in the Tsar's prison for high treason, did the true revelation of Hasidus start. So what do we see here? The crushing experiences of life turn out not to be punishments, but rather to be the elevation from being a closed-up olive to entering into the holiest of matrimonies with God. Every leader from Moses to our Rebbe have undergone this process, and as the head to the body of their generation, they have each imbued us with the power, the process, and the capacity to produce God's oil to illuminate the world with Hashem Echad, God is one, and to bring Mashiach, the holy temple, and universal peace now. So, one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm, the early worm gets eaten. Therefore, always live within your higher consciousness. <laughs>